This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Now, when you wake up on Sunday to begin your day-long football activities and rituals, you get yourself another breakfast game from jolly old England, except it's going to be the football giants who are heading over there to take on the Green Bay Packers to see if they can somehow, some way, move to 4-1. and one. The person who's going to be taking it all in, of course, is our next guest. He is, of course, our outstanding reporter for ESPN who covers the Giants, our good pal, Jordan Renan. Jordan, how are things, buddy? Good, Dan. How about you? Fishy eat fish and chips for breakfast on Sunday, no? Watch <laughs> the game we... eat fish and chips? Is that what it sounds is? It's disgusting, fi- by the way. I don't it's, know. It oh. Ugh. I wouldn't fried, even eat that in the fried, afternoon fried watching fi- football. Fried fish? Yeah, I'm with you. Like, that's why, I mean, we all know. Like, even you, England's not exactly known for its cuisine. You know, you're not like, oh, let's go to England to eat, like, you know, fish and chips. Yeah, I think it's disgusting. I'm out on fish and chips. Nice cup of coffee. Our normal breakfast will do. You know, even if it's at 930 in the morning, it's all good. Now, now explain this tea. to me. Tea. How about tea, Dan? Tea. Uh, Have your morning tea. Do you know why? I'm, I'm not that big of a tea guy. I only drink tea if I'm not feeling well. So I always associate yeah, I tea mean, with yeah. being sick. Yeah, it's very, that seems very English, though. Yeah, very, very. Uh, well-placed sources <laughs> tell me that you did not make the trip and the journey across the pond. Why is that, Jordan? Oh, well, there's uh, we only send one of our two reporters to overseas games. And because I've already been there, I went to, I went to London in 2016. Our Packers reporter, Rob Demosky, who's ah. awesome what he does, has not been there. So... I kind of, you know, I kind of realized, uh, see the writing on the wall for this one. This is actually the first game I'm not being sent to since non-COVID reasons, since I started covering the team in 2013. Is it going to feel weird? I'll tell you on Sunday. I don't know. It's <laughs> kind of a little liberating, I'll be honest with you. That's that's fair. <laughs> I thought I thought for sure, though, that you would maybe find room in the back of Landon Collins' private jet. Isn't he going over there by himself to meet the team? I thought that maybe you ride shotgun he next is? to Landon. What do you think? Yeah, I thought about it, and then I decided, you know, me and Landon, neither of us are going to play this week, so it's probably best. I, I didn't, You know, it's probably best. I don't need to learn the defense, so. What the heck? I don't, I don't need to be there, you know. You can help. You can help him go through the playbook on the flight over. It's six, seven hours. You yeah, got plenty of time. The last thing he wants is Dan. How would you be, uh, you know, breaking down, deciphering the playbook with the Jets for somebody, huh? Oh, please. No, it depends. <laughs> the Wink Martindale scheme. That. I don't want to want that. Yeah, that's probably enough of a headache. Break it down for him. Tell me about it. <laughs> What is, so, I mean, realistically, though, okay, Landon, they have a lot of injuries on the yeah. defensive side of the ball. He's familiar with the organization. Mm-hmm. All right, get caught up to stuff on the scheme. But realistically, how many weeks are we looking at before you think that he is possibly able to get on the field? Yeah, maybe next week. I don't know if they have to force it. But probably two weeks is, I think, realistic. I mean, but look, Landon Collins is going to be used as like a specialized player if they – you know, even bring him up. I mean, Jalen Smith worked his way up. Uh, was it like, you know, he's uh, two weeks, basically. He worked his way up, and now he's essentially going to play like a starting-type role against teams that run the ball. So, uh, look, the idea is they're going to use Landon Collins as a versatile piece. It was the idea with A.J. Klein, a veteran who has played in this league and started plenty of games, who actually signed to the practice squad earlier this week. 
then he was signed off the Giants practice squad by the Ravens, and that's the reason the Giants went and got Landon Collins in the first place. So just remember, Landon Collins, while once this all-pro safety, not exactly what he is anymore. He's more of like a hybrid linebacker safety, uh, special package kind of guy that I think we might see all over the field sporadically. You know, uh, you know, even if he's activated, probably more like a 20-snap kind of guy. And that's, you know what, and 20 snaps, though, you can still impact the defense and impact the game. So I don't think that there's anything wrong with that there. And look, I mean, as no. long as if you're a Giant no. fan, you go in and with realistic expectations. He's not the same guy who was, you know, a fringe defensive player of the year candidate once upon a time. No, he's a veteran signing benefits guy, which is basically minimum salary. That's what it's called. Uh, and it, it's really, a, you know, a trigger like where the – team can have you for you get the minimum for whatever the veteran minimum is for however many years you've been in the league and then the, the team gets to get the benefit so let's say he gets paid 1.2 million they can then only count him eight hundred thousand dollars against the salary cap and that joe shane has been really really uh strict and dedicated to making sure that they only basically sign these veteran salary benefit guys so far this season well, he doesn't have a lot of cap space to work with either. We're talking with Jordan Renan here. Yeah, so he's here. been disciplined. He's been yeah. disciplined about it, though. You can you can get nervous and, and say, we need this guy, we need this guy, right? But, no, he has been very strict and stern about this is what's available for the guys that we are bringing in. He is anti-Gettleman. That's what he is here. Um, Daniel Jones practicing, doing a little bit more each day. Dare we say that mm-hmm. it looks like he might get the nod on Sunday after all? Well... When they went to practice today and they went and did offensive stuff, the first up for reps on the, with the offensive side was Daniel Jones. You've been to enough practices in your life, Dan. Mm-hmm. The first quarterback up is usually the quarterback that's going to start that week. Now, the only caveat here is Daniel Jones's ankle and leg is such a big part of their offense, right? He's on pace for over 800 yards rushing. You know, he's he's essentially – uh, on pace for like 130, 140 carries. Like this is like uh, Jalen Hurts type range carries. Like that's how much he's carrying the ball. So yes, they're going to monitor him, monitor him, and see going forward if they think that he can do that successfully. Because I think if he can't, it really does limit their offense. So um, I think that's the only thing that probably right now is going to keep him from playing, but I spoke to Jones today after practice and he told me he was feeling better and getting better every day. So I certainly think this is trending in the right direction. And uh, if he's told me I had to bet one way or the other, I certainly would be betting on Daniel Jones playing Sunday against the Green Bay Packers. Hopefully that ankle doesn't swell anymore on that long plane ride, though, when they head over the uh, the pond there. So Davis Webb would be the Compression backup. Compression socks, Dan. I saw that. They have to wear – they were to- recommended – to wear compression socks during the flight. Also, uh, those sleeping masks and uh, try to use it as pretend like that's your sleep time overnight. Those aren't the, uh, those are not to be, those aren't to be confused with the, uh, the Brett Favre uh, themed copper fit things, right? Those compression socks, those are different. Yeah, I would think so. I think, you know, technology has uh, evolved over the years at this point, but I I am kind of curious what the heck uh, that means where put on your compression socks. 
I, it's worth it. You know, sometimes, I, you know, I, I, the tricky things happen to me with my feet on long flights. So maybe I got to go compression socks. I don't know. Maybe they're onto something. I mean, look, th- you think these yeah. trainers and professionals, Jordan, know better than us, right? We're just, you know, yo-yos that maybe hop on a plane every so often. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they, I think uh, they might they might know a little bit more. I might have to, you know, be an expert after this and go and uh, either Google it or look on Amazon. <laughs> right. They should have that on the United Airlines. Air, air for flights. <laughs> yes. Socks, sock, uh, you know, socks flying for flights. Socks. That, hey, some, yeah, somebody's probably flying filthy rich. Socks. The person who thought of those compression socks is probably a retired billionaire someplace living it up because yeah. of just some idea. Uh, is there any juice to this? And we're talking this? sports on the radio. And, and we're talking sports on the radio and, you know, getting ready for a football game. Anything more to this Odell Beckham Jr. visit than just a simple drop in and say hi to Sterling Shepard? Or do you think that there's anything there? maybe Odell has some interest in the Giants, but does he have interest? Remember what I said before about that veteran signing benefit? Right. How Joe Shane has been really disciplined. Well, does Odell want to come and take the veteran signing benefit? And let me tell you, one of the terms of the veteran, the VSB, is that you can't add incentives to it, right? You can't just build in all these incentives and give the guys options to make more money which is likely what Odell Beckham's going to be looking for. And he's going to be, right, you get the $1 million if you win the Super Bowl. I think that's what he got last year for, with the Rams. You know, an extra million dollar for winning mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. An extra 500000 for making the, uh, making the Super Bowl. And the, I just, first of all, the Giants aren't going there, let's be honest, because they beat the Chicago Bears and Carolina Panthers. Let's not start dreaming about the Super Bowl. So I just, I don't see this being the spot for Odell Beckham. Uh, maybe next off season. I don't know. Next year, uh, who knows what happens then. But for the most part, it was him just stopping in and uh, visiting his friends. I wouldn't say it didn't have another purpose as well. You know, I'm sure uh, he said hi to the, to ownership and John Mara. Now, because it wasn't an official visit, he couldn't sit down and talk to Brian Dable or or Joe Shane. But I'm sure it served multiple purposes. But I wouldn't make too much about it now. I don't. The Odell come, but if you're Odell, Dan, would you want to come to the Giants? Like, is that the spot for you? No, but you know what's interesting? The longer he delays the decision, and I don't know where he is health wise either after the surgery. Like, maybe he still needs some more time. But he's I wonder not. if he, he is, is not there yet. He's not there yet. So, but I wonder also if he is no. kind of like, well, let me see what this giant thing becomes, right? If they could somehow hang in this race another month or so when I'm ready to go, it's a place he's familiar with. Let me ask you this. What's the, what's the relationship like between the two sides? Well, Dave Gettleman's gone, right? That was. But is, is, is Mara an Odell guy? Are they on good the terms? Contentious relationships, the contentious relationships with Gettleman and Pat Shermer, really. And Pat, him and Pat Shermer definitely right. voted heads. Uh, at that at that time, for sure, Pat Shermer asked him when he was getting on the field, right? You know, in the preseason, right before he had when he had fifty million dollars on the table. But I don't, I don't think that went over well. And that's when you saw the interview with Odell and Little Wayne. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it, it sounds surreal, doesn't it? Like yeah, the interview with Odell and Little Wayne. <laughs> but no, that really happened. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's bad blood. Like I think it's I think there's a fine relationship. I think the Giants. Uh, do know though what comes with having Odell on your roster, and you know there does need to be made a, a decision has to be made at this point. Like all the stuff that's going to come with Odell being on their roster, is it worth it? He, you have to be fair. 
the likelihood he's the same player he was when he was here is really slim, right? Jordan Renan joining us here on 9870 ESPN. All right, I, I mean – the list of the walking wounded, forget about yourself, forget about anybody else with or without the compression socks. Kadarius Tony, <laughs> Kenny Galladay, Aziz Ojolari, they didn't make the trip among others. Yep. How are we going? How are they going backwards again? It seems like when it comes to the health. I mean, what happened to Ojolari? He's in there for a couple of games and now he's out again. Yeah, he aggravated that calf injury, which is never a good thing. It's always a tough injury, calf. And it's why. Originally, the Giants said, oh, you know, it's not expected to be serious. as original camp injury. It's not that bad. Look, he ends up sitting out. I ended up missing the first two games plus for the last couple of weeks of the summer. So, I mean, he sat out five weeks. And now he came back and he aggravated it. What, two games later? Not exactly encouraging. I, he's not – it's not terrible right now. Like, I, I saw him in the locker room. He's not, like, walking with a huge limp or anything like that. But these are just tricky injuries, and now you have to sit there and you say, if there's two games where you kind of wanted Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau both to be healthy, like for the Giants really up until Thanksgiving, it's this week against the Packers and next week against the Ravens, and pretty much you're not going to have Ojolari for those two games. So uh, not ideal. What does that mean? Well, Jihad Ward has actually played really well. Not the same kind of pass rusher. But you need more from – Kayvon Thibodeau, that's what it means. We well, need him to start, you know, you know. all right, two games got ready, your knee's healthier. Okay, let's go. Get that first sack. Look at this game, though. Okay, now you're a depleted team offensively with the wide receivers, as we know. The quarterback is hobbled. Green Bay's got a good defense, so that's the sticky part about it. Now, on the other side, the Packers are 3-1, and one, not because of Aaron Rodgers and the offense, which we're normally accustomed to nope. saying – they're winning almost in spite of them because he's still having a hard time getting on the same page with these wide receivers. This might be like the one and only time that if you are the Giants banged up a little bit on defense, Jordan, you're getting this Packer team maybe at the right time. Yeah, well, you know it's important for the Giants here. The Packers, they have done very well. I think they're fourth in the NFL in rushing. So they're, they're not fourth. That was the Bears. But they're, they're actually pretty high up in rushing. They've run the ball pretty well. But now, running doesn't exactly lead to points in this league. Look at the Giants. They're number one in the NFL in rushing. How many points have they scored? Not a ton, right? Not a ton. Uh But what works in the Giants' favor is the weakness of this Green Bay defense is clearly their run defense. They've allowed – I don't have the number right in front of me, but one of the highest average yards per carry of any team this year in the NFL. So if you're the Giants, what does that mean? Run – run, run the football, possess the football. Yes, Aaron Rodgers hasn't been great. He hasn't been on the same page as the receivers, although he did, they, they did look much better in the second half against the Patriots last week. But do you want to take your chances? No. You want to be able to control the ball, keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands, because if they give him enough chances, especially if they don't have a great pass rush, it's going to be hard to stop them. By the way, on the pass rush, yeah. Leonard Williams likely going to be back this week. That's that big. That is big for the Giants. Yeah. Very big. Now, that from an big. offensive standpoint, let me ask you, because last week we saw against the Bears, look, the offensive line had a very rough night against the Cowboys on Monday night. They come back mm-hmm. last week. You saw a very conservative game plan. It was, like, overwhelming 
run game versus pass game. Now, that could also be compromised because you have the quarterbacks who were injured and everything. Could you see that big a disparity again, the way Mike Kafka and Brian Dayball dial up a game plan where you have, you know, 45 runs versus 16 passes or whatever it was like you had against Chicago? I want to say yes, but if Daniel Jones isn't completely healthy, you have to remember, how many of those were naked bootlegs? How many of those were bootlegs? How many... How many even of their completions were just bootlegs? You know, the bootlegs were there was just easy passes for the. I mean, the Bears were bad. I mean, they just made it. They made that super easy for the Giants, right? Uh, I don't know if you could actually end up with run numbers that slanted, unless Daniel Jones has the mobility to be able to get out on the move and run the football and call the side runs for him. But I think it's pretty clear the game plan here has to be run, run, run. Their wide receivers, the Giants, this week are David Sills, Richie James, Darius Slayton, and they're going to call up a guy named Marcus Johnson who's on their practice squad. I like how you so say a guy true. named Marcus Johnson. <laughs> it's just such a – because it's such a generic name, you know. Like I, I couldn't just say Marcus Johnson. It's just a very, it's just a very generic name. Like – he could, he could, that could be any, anybody, Marcus Johnson. You, know, it's like you, you could think I'm making it up. But no, uh, that's, that's what the Giants receivers are. And look, we know they don't have a ton of tight end, right? They've nope. been hitting those bootlegs to guys wide open, but it's not like they're tight ends. You Okay, go win one-on-one. Like, have we seen their tight ends win one-on-one? Are we going to see their, their wide receivers win it consistently one-on-one? I don't think so. So you, it's going to have to be a big run-heavy game plan once again. I never thought in a million years that we would be sitting here a month into the season and having to legitimately address the issue of the Giants maybe running Saquon Barkley into the ground this early in the season. But you know what? (laughs) He deserves it, Jordan, because he's the best damn player on the field. That's why. Yeah. I asked him about it today. Like, do you care? Like, is there a point where it's too much? And he just laughed, and he was like, no, there's no too much. I haven't even played. Like, he knows, like, I haven't played much the last few years. You think I'm going to say it's too much work? But you do have to be realistic. Uh, Running back is a tough – look around the league, Dan. Look at all these top running backs. If you play fantasy football, I mean, look look at the top running back. Jonathan Taylor, what's he doing tonight? Not playing. Sitting out. (laughs) Right. Uh, I mean, like you name the top running back and they're pretty much have been been banged up and injured this year already. And and like that, it is such a tough position. He's playing 88% of the snaps, right? That is a huge number. He's tied for the team leading catches. He leads the NFL in rushing. How sustainable is it? You have to be realistic. And I think, look, for them to win, they have to do it. But it's almost like you're begging the injury gods to, you know, come strike at some point. If you're going to use, use a, a player at that position that much. Well, and not only that, most of the league right now, as you know, it's a two-headed monster at running back. That's what a yeah. lot of these teams are employing. The Giants' version of a two-headed monster is Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. That's not sustainable. <laughs> Right. I mean, and you saw already what happened to Daniel no. when it comes to his ankle. I don't I mean, it, it, it really it's not sustainable. We know that. But 
Maybe the Giants figure, hey, you know what? Technically, he's a free agent at the end of the year. Who cares if we run him into the ground, right? I said it at the beginning of the year. Like, both sides are super motivated to use him as much as possible, right? The Giants want to – first of all, he's their best offensive player. And I've been in this situation before. I was in Philadelphia years ago, and Andy Reid, you know, they used to have Brian Westbrook, and he mm-hmm. even had, like, Karel Buckholder, who was, like, a good number two guy. He used to average, like, six yards a carry. And everyone used to say, are you going to use this guy more? And then it was Deion Lewis. You're going to use this guy more, this guy more. And, get, and he would always, they, oh, coaches would always say, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, we, we plan on using him more. We're going to use him more. We're going to use him more. And then they get into the game, and guess what? They want their best player in the game, right? They want, and the best player on the Giants is obviously Saquon Barkley. And then by the time you look and you're done with the game, you're like, whoops, didn't get anybody else in the game. So I think that's part of the situation here. He is their best player by so much. They can't afford to have him out. And then both sides are motivated. Saquon wants the biggest stats humanly possible this year, right? He's a free mm-hmm. agent. Every, you know, his, the bigger his numbers, the more accolades, the more money he's going to make. And the Giants, they want to get as much out of him as they can. Going to be fun to see how this thing plays itself out and how sustainable it's going to be, that's for sure. Jordan, thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend, as always. Uh, enjoy the early breakfast on Sunday, and as you're working, eating the breakfast, enjoy that, and uh, we'll talk again next week. Sounds good. I'm going to sip my tea very nice and gently. Do you put milk in Sunday the tea? Sunday morning. No. What am I, an animal? Well, like old people then put it's, milk it's, in their tea. It's a coffee. Yeah. Well, that's what I say, but, like, especially the Brits do that, too. Brits put, like, milk in their tea, I think. Yeah, no, nah, but I'm not British. No, nah, I'm, I'm with I'm you. just want to pretend. I just want, just want to pretend to have that atmosphere for a few minutes. That's it. To have that culture, at least for three and a half hours on Sunday morning. I think that'll, uh, that'll oblige. Thank you, my friend, as always. Two guys, enjoy the super, game. Cu- super cultured. You don't even know who Jack Harlow is. I heard that. But I'd rather have you on than Jack Harlow any day of the week, Dan. I know who Jack Harlow is. It's just that it, it, can, I use, can I use a pun here? He's not exactly my cup of tea when it comes to music. How about that? Oh. Oh. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Lock it up. Thanks, my friend. We'll talk next week. <laughs> All right. See you soon. All right. Be good. Jordan Renan, ESPN, covers the Giants. Yeah, I – the, I, that's one thing I, I remember like years and years ago when I first witnessed that somebody rocking a cup of tea and they were putting some milk in it. I think there was somebody probably of advanced age that I saw and I was like, what in God's name is that? And it just it's it's an image that I really have not been able to shake and don't know if I'll be able to shake it, to be quite honest with you. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Let's say hi to Mike in Roxbury. He's up next here on 98.7. Michael, what's going on? Hey, how are you? What's up, Mike? Uh, two things. Quick question. Why do you think the Giants aren't using Matt Breida more as the second head in our backfield monster? Good question, and he hasn't gotten a big look like we were just teasing with Jordan there. Like, it's, you know, Daniel Jones is like their number two option when it comes to running the football. The thing about Breida, and he's a guy who's kind of well-traveled, you know, San Francisco, Buffalo. He's been all over the place here. The thing about it is, is that up in Buffalo, when Breida was there, they still didn't really, like, mix and match and feature the run game all that much. Like, Josh Allen was almost like their number one threat in the running game, almost like Daniel Jones tries to be with the Giants. I just think the way Saquon is going right now, Mike, they're just going to try to keep riding him as much as possible. Uh, I I agree with that, especially because he's a free agent, and I wouldn't waste the money re-signing him regardless of the season he has. And if he does have a good season, it's because we ran him into the ground and he's going to have so much tread on his tires, I wouldn't re-sign him either way. Um, And my second point is I really think Kayvon Thibodeau, this is going to be his breakout game. I think he's he's due. He came real close quite a few times last week. Game three, I think the butterflies are off. He knows what to expect. I think this, I think he's going to have a real showing on Sunday. Um, it would be nice, right? And, and as yeah. we know about – here's the thing about the Packers. And, Mike, thanks for the phone call. Like, I, I was talking about it with Jordan. If you haven't watched the Packers much this year, normally you think, okay, any team that has Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be the offense. That's the most responsible for their success, right? They're 3-1. and one. You look and you say, oh, well, it's the Packers or the Packers. You know, no harm, no foul. They're 3-1 and one despite the offense. You know, they have really yet to get that thing going. There's been a lot of turnover on the offense. Rodgers is having a hard time establishing that chemistry with a lot of these receivers. A lot of them are new. It's their defense, which has been absolutely, like, completely balling out for them. And that's why the Packers have gotten off to a nice start here. You realize, believe it or not, you realize the Jets have scored more points this year? than the Packers have. You realize the Jets and the Giants have both scored more points than the Packers have this year. But they're still a dangerous group. The offensive line has, you know, multiple pro bowlers and all pros on it. Eventually it's going to come, and they could still run the football too. But the Packers aren't going to be shy to drop back and have Aaron Rodgers throw the ball, you know, 30-something times a game, which means there's going to be opportunities for Thibodeau. The thing that's holding him back maybe is just all that time that he missed, right? Giants are going to make sure that he's 100% and doesn't, especially now with Ojolari going down and suffering that setback with the calf, they don't want to have the same thing happen to KT because you can't have both of your rushers on the sidelines. You can't. So the scene with Tua was, of course, a scary one. It's going to keep him out of the game this week against the Jets. And all of a sudden it's become, okay, what about the concussion issue in the NFL? And you've seen the Players Association speak out in the last week, and they went ahead and they fired you know, the um, independent neurology consultant, the guy who was supposed to be checking on the Tua situation specifically at that game against Buffalo the previous week. And they found out that he completely dropped the ball. Completely dropped the ball. So he's out of there. So now, if you talk to anybody who's played the quarterback position, i.e. Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, you're going to want to get to the bottom of this. And you're going to want to find out, okay, has this ever been anything in your background? as a football player. Well, 
Joe Burrow went on the Colin Cowherd podcast, and then he met the media the next day out there in Cincinnati, and Burrow had some eye-opening things to say about playing with concussions. Take a listen. Well, yeah, it's definitely happened. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's happened. Stuff like that happens all, all the time. Like, I've never had a headache the next day from a concussion, but like I said, I've had games, high school, college, NFL, that you know, maybe I don't remember the, ne- the rest of the game, but I don't have any side effects other than that. So I don't know if you would call that a concussion or not, but definitely some kind of head injury for sure. So he's almost answering the question matter-of-factly. And in so many words, he's kind of saying, oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I play quarterback in the NFL. You play quarterback, you're going to get hit. Whether it's against the rules, whether it's not against the rules, whether it's late, whether it's cheap, whether it's dirty, you're going to get hit. And concussions happen. And sometimes somebody makes contact with you. It seems innocent. And you think to yourself, oh, everything's okay. But we know that it's not. Because there's no such thing like, to me, one of the most overused terms and maybe inaccurate terms that they attach as far as injuries go with sports is when they say mild concussion. He's got a mild concussion. There's no such thing as a mild concussion. You know, you're not, you're not like half pregnant ever. That's kind of like what they mean by mild concussion. You, you, there's no like half or there's no kind of like ever so slight. No, you got a concussion. You know, it's a head injury. And you can't minimize the significance of it by saying, oh, no, but it's of the mild nature. Well, what does that mean? It's still a concussion. Do they think Tua had a mild concussion when he was deemed eligible to play and was able to get back there on the field because they checked him out and they thought he was all right? And then you saw what happened the next week when he was probably still less than 100%, never would cop to it, and then went out there and got flung to the ground by Cincinnati and it looked like the guy was, God forbid, in a car crash. And we don't know when he's going to be able to return back to the field. Burrow then was also asked, does he think there's going to be a heavier emphasis on detecting concussions moving forward? Yeah, I think it'll be very individualized depending on the person. You know, for me, if I can go back out there and play, I'm going to go back out there and play. If I can do anything I can to help the team, that's what I'm going to do. Obviously, if I feel like I have a concussion, I'm not going to go back out there. But, you know, this is... A violent game that you know we signed up for the knee injuries and the arm injuries and the whole thing we get paid handsomely for it you know you got to take the head injuries very seriously if somebody goes down you have to take a look at them but you know i've never experienced a concussion like that where i'm just knocked out if i do i'm definitely going to take it very cautiously and present if i present symptoms i'm going to go and tell the training staff and i'm going to get myself out of there that's what he's going to do but is everybody else going to do the exact same thing I mean, and you've already seen players over the last, let's say, 10 years, you know, when this has become like a big-time issue. And it's not just quarterbacks. I'm talking about guys that play all sorts of positions. They've come out and basically admitted that we just go play. You know, we don't report things. When we're, you know, if we could, you know, suck it up and go out there and finish the game, that's what we're going to do. That's what we were taught to do. That's what we were raised to do. So it's not just the quarterback, it's anybody who goes out there on the football field. That's how they're just going to go about finishing the game and finishing the job that they're paid to do. Regardless of paycheck, regardless of importance to the team, position, or anything like that. But now with this greater emphasis, I mean, things are changing again. And I wonder what type of alterations you're going to see to the sport, at least the on-the-field product, maybe over the, over the next year because of what just happened here with Tua.
I mean, geez, it's not even in football. Like, I'm reading something, and, and you know, it's been broached. Even if you want to go to a sport like soccer, believe it or not. You know, there was something in the Times the other day where now they're bringing up this this theory again that, you know, you talk to different people, and they're talking about, like, in soccer because they use their head that that can create wear and tear and could not be good for, you know, a, a person's well-being. Like down the road, if, you know, you've played soccer all your life and, you know, you hit the ball with your head, you use your head. I mean, it's a vital part of soccer. Headers, crossers, all those things. Like that could also do some damage later on in life. And so what are we talking about now? We're going to like change the rules of soccer? You're not going to be able to use your head? You can only use your feet? All options are on the table. You know, that's kind of what's been happening here. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We come back. You're going to hear from Tom Brady. And you're going to hear from our old pal Geno Smith. Different reasons, of course. But I think they both say some interesting things regardless. We're taking it right up until 10 o'clock. Then it's Larry Hardesty right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. This is one of the worst football games I've ever seen in my life. I don't care that it's on Amazon, Hulu, Netflix. It could be anywhere. They could be playing the game in my living room. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen for an organized sporting event. Um, It's 6-3 to Broncos. Both of these offenses couldn't find the end zone with a GPS. It is an abomination. And the good news is, Jet fans, you're going to Denver in two weeks. That is a... Very, very winnable game. They ain't winning. Why not? You don't think they're going to Denver and have a good chance to win? Oh, please. (laughs) See, the problem is the longer you do this, they get more drops for you, and they have those to use uh, use against you. I've created a monster. I'm a victim of myself. What a hunk. Thank you. Thank you, Joan. I would agree. Harvey, what did you say? This is the stat that you told me during the commercial about the first half in this game. This is from our great, the great people at our Stats and Info group. Uh, there's only been one half that has seen lesser points, and it was Week Two Saints Buccaneers. Three that, zip, right? Three zip, and I believe that game finished. I want to say twenty to ten. Yeah, but it was it was like three three going into the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, was and that, then and then New Orleans was like turning the ball over, and Tampa Bay got like defensive touchdowns. It was that uh, Mike Evans play where he got the Mike. Up. There you go, and the then, Mike uh, Evans where he lost his mind. And then Jameis Winston just had to be a hero. You know, I lost good money that day. <laughs> on on New, well, New Orleans owns Tampa Bay. Yeah, I took. I mean, I, that's what I went with. I went with history, and uh, history definitely uh, slapped me in the face that day. By the way, speaking of our buddy Tom Brady, before we get back to the phones. So Tom was asked at his weekly press conference, you know, we're four weeks into the season, a quarter. Tom was asked, you know, what is his observation so far of the football in general that he's witnessed so far in the NFL? I think there's a lot of bad football from what I watch, you know. (laughs) I watch a lot of bad football, a lot of, yeah, poor quality of football. That's what I see. Well, we know he's got a lot of time to watch football given, you know, everything that's going on. And, you know, whatever, that's his issue. But he's got a lot of time to watch football. And he's watching a lot of bad of it. I hope Russell Wilson is selling a lot of those Subway sandwiches because 
watching this Broncos team play football doesn't make you want to eat. It takes your appetite away. This is awful. 6-3 at the half uh, is our score. Jay is in Diker Heights. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Jay, good evening. What is going on, my friend? It's called the Danger Witch. Yeah, hello. Uh, what's up, Jay? Hey, what's going on? I just wanted to say I love the interview you had with uh, that Bar 360. Oh, that yeah, was, the show uh, we uh, with uh, Bart Oates that oh night. Oh, my at, at, God, that was amazing. I could have listened to that, you guys for hours. That was that nickel joke that he said, I was dying laughing. I was that, that, <laughs> Bart is good. Jay, Bart was great. And you know what? Anybody yeah, that, that missed that, you could go on the website, ESPNNewYork.com, or on the ESPN New York app. You go to the podcast page for our show. You listen to that. Uh, it was a, the last Monday, not this past Monday, the week before, the 26th of September when we had Bart Oates at the Resorts World. He was fantastic. You should go back and listen to the interview. Yeah, it was definitely. I just wanted to give you props on that. That was amazing. Awesome. And uh, I just wanted to say, as a Mets fan, born in '84, and you know, I just you know, just being a Mets fan, since I could name a whole bunch of players from Eddie Murray to the list goes on. Lenny Dykstra, Todd Hundley. Uh, it's uh, of course it's been a great year. We went. This been a dysfunctional team since my whole life of being a Mets fan. And, since the second year, this guy Cohen buying the team and changing the whole aura and the whole, just the whole for decades to come it is, it's kind of disrespectful to him, to him spending his money and everything to say it was, a, it was a collapse or anything. Uh, of course, of course, of course, of course, we would lose all three games even if we needed one. That's the best thing to do, but. All in all, I think that that was a real mistake on the manager uh, manager's decision, even though I love Buck. And that was the greatest thing Cohen could have did was hire Buck because he really changed everything. And I hope he gets manager of the year. And um, I just think that, you know, it's been a great year and we've uh, never won 100 and something games the fourth year, the fourth time. And, you know, just I think it's the batting title. I just think it was just... You know what, Jay, I hear what you're saying, and and, and Jay, thank you for the phone call, my man. You get back to us. Appreciate the kind words. I just can't feel the same way. You win 101 games. Here's the thing. You got to beat the Padres. Got to beat the Padres. You can't win 101 games, get swept in the first, or not even get swept, lose in the first round, and your season's over by Columbus Day. You can't. Can't. It undoes everything. And I understand, look, there's been a lot of times in baseball history before there was even a wild card where people won more than the Mets did this year and had nothing to show for it. Case in point, 1993. All right, for those of you that are old enough to remember 93, and 93, make no mistake about it, that was what precipitated the creation of the wild card. Because in 1993, you only had two divisions. You had the East and the West in each league. National League West, in 1993, the Atlanta Braves were in the West then. They had 104 wins to take the division. Barry Bonds, Dusty Baker, and the San Francisco Giants, they finished second with 103 and went home. Think about that. They won two more games than the Mets did and didn't even have a wild card berth to fall back on. Imagine how sick they felt. But if you get to the postseason 
Like the Mets have a new opportunity. You got to win around. You got to. And especially because it's only a three-game series, you cannot go quietly into the night and get beat by a team which doesn't have a track record of success in the playoffs like San Diego. You just can't. Can't do it. And if you missed the beginning of the show, again, you can go listen to the podcast and whatnot. We put it up there. But as I stated earlier, it's a new season. Tomorrow, 8.07, City Field. Doesn't matter that you won 101 games. Doesn't matter that you got swept in Atlanta last weekend. Doesn't matter that Jeff McNeil won a batting title. Doesn't matter that Pete Alonso set the franchise record for RBIs in a single season. Doesn't matter that Timmy Trumpet actually came to a damn game and played his little trumpet. None of that matters. What matters is now you got a chance to get to a World Series and everybody is 0-0. Zero and zero. And you've earned the right to have this series with the new format in your ballpark. Right? In your ballpark. Now go make it happen. And if you're Max Scherzer, unfortunately we can't forget about the $43 million paycheck. That still applies. Because tomorrow is one of those games where they expect you to deliver on that $43 million. It didn't happen last weekend in Atlanta. You get a do-over. You get a do-over. And remember, tomorrow we're going to be on in the morning, so we won't have our show tomorrow night. There'll be a show. I just—is it? No, there ain't. Is there going to be a show? I don't know. Do we? Are we? Are we carrying the game tomorrow, guys? Got to check on that. But I'll be on in for Greeny tomorrow, 10 a.m. to noon, right here on 98.7. Local flavor. So we'll be like the appetizer. We'll get you ready for Mets Padres game one. We're carrying the game. Okay, so we're, there won't be a show tomorrow because Larry's 7 to 8. So Larry tomorrow will be like setting the scene for the Met game from 7 to 8, and then you get Mets Padres, the ESPN call, which is going to be fantastic. Fantastic. And you and I will be her, or you and I will talk tomorrow morning at 10. Real quick, I wanted to play for you Geno Smith. And Geno gets a hard time, but he's getting an opportunity here with the Seahawks, and he had a great game last week in Detroit. And he, was, he won the uh, NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Now, the Lions have the worst defense in the NFL, but still, you know what? you got to still take advantage of the opportunities. Geno did. Here was a, uh, I thought, an interesting little exchange between Geno and a member of the media out in Seattle. Take a listen. We're only four weeks in and folks on the task at hand, but you're in the midst of doing something that, frankly, I haven't really seen before. It's a guy who's a backup for seven years, and now you're in the top of the league and passer rating. You just got off as Player of the Week. Are you surprised by that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you told me before the season, I'd be a little surprised. Yeah, that's because you never watched me throw. Yeah. Doesn't matter how you could throw. I mean, anybody could go out there in, uh, you know, a T-shirt and shorts and, and spin it. Go ask Uncle Rico. But when you got the bullets flying in your face, that's a different story. There were a lot of guys who look good at the combine, but then when the games actually matter, it's a different story. You know, look, I'm, I'm happy for Gino. He's a good guy, you know. And it's, it's nice to see him getting a chance. And the more success he has, the longer it buys him in the NFL. That's all it does. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>